Hello and welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, and this is episode number six. On the podcast with me today is none other than Lewis, as you know, he joins us here on a weekly basis, and fellow student journalists Ryan McGinley and Ben McNichol. We discussed all the weekend's action across the Premiership, as well as looking forward to this midweek's fixture card as well. Um, now, if you have listened to the podcast before, but you haven't subscribed, then please just hit that subscribe button. It means a lot to us, um, and it just means that you'll get the brand new latest edition of the podcast um, when it comes out, whether that's on Spotify, uh, iTunes, or Google Podcast. Also, if you are an, an Apple Podcast um, listener, please go and leave a review on what you think of the podcast. Um, it's a great way for me to, to know exactly how, how I'm doing. Um, and if you have any sort of ideas that you would like to, to see the podcast do or any sort of things you want covered, then please just leave it there because it, it helps the, the podcast grow and I would greatly appreciate it. Um, also, if you are on Twitter, then please follow the podcast on Twitter at Stefano Talks. Um, I think we're nearing 230 followers, um, but it would mean a lot if we could just get that little bit more. Um, so yeah, that's at Stefano Talks on Twitter. Other than that, uh, without dragging this on too much, um, let's get right into the action on this week's episode of De Stefano Talks Talking Scottish Football. Right, so if we just move into the first game um, of the, the action that we need to recap and talk about, it was Kilmarnock versus St Johnston. Kilmarnock took a 2-0 lead against uh, Callum Davidson's men. Uh, however, the Saints came back in the second half and scored three fantastic goals to just edge out Kilmarnock's side, uh, the Kilmarnock side and win 3-2. Um, ben, what did you think of the game? I mean, it was an excellent game. Um, I think it's an excellent result, uh, result for St. Johnson. But um, for, from a Kilmarnock point of view, losing at home to a team in a position below you in the table after being 2-0 up is quite unforgivable, to be honest. And the fact that Alex Dyer didn't even try and kind of make a substitution until the 89th minute was also a bit of a concern. Um, obviously, it's led to him getting sacked as well. Yeah. Uh, Lewis? Uh, I definitely been sitting there on the head with that. Obviously, the fact... I think they've had a few COVID problems this week, but it was just the two, so you wouldn't expect it to affect the squad too much. It's a good result for St. Johnson, you know. It's, in the last three games, they've scored three goals twice, so it's, they're starting to score them goals, and it's it's a great result, and it's a good run of form right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think, I think it's just been the story of Kamarnock's season, really. Um, conceding far too many goals, and it's led to the manager, obviously, getting shown the door, or he's, he's walked in his own accord. Um no, it, it's good to see St. Johnson scoring goals, obviously. Um, they, they struggled with that earlier on, so it's it's good to see them pushing on a bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, sort of, you know, starting to climb a little bit, St. Johnson. I think the uh, Alex Dyer said in his post-match press conference that um, the Kilmarnock game was a must-win because otherwise um, St. Johnston would go above them. St. Johnston have um, now gone above them and starting to sort of break into that that area of the table um into the top six i think they're they're only 
um, you know, two or three points off getting into the top six. So, you know, they're starting to build up a, a bit of confidence after last week's Betfred Cup game. Um, that's two wins in the bounce. And, and as you said, Lewis, you know, that's that's two games in a row where they've scored three goals. So um, all positives coming from that. Um, Alex Dyer, obviously, after the match, he um, left the club by mutual consent. Um, what, what do we think think on that um who do we think could replace Dyer or do you do you think it was that maybe Alex Dyer should have stayed on he should have been given more time what's our thoughts if we go to Ryan um it really depends who's available in this current market just now I think they should look no further than Tommy Wright if I'm being perfectly honest look to St Johnson really or he used to be the St Johnson manager I think he would um he would stabilise them defensively and get them up the table because it looks like they're in a bit of a relegation battle just now. So they need someone like Tommy Wright who knows what he's doing there that can help them climb up the table. Yeah, no, um, Tommy Wright was was my pick as well. Um, you know, you look at the job that he did at St Johnston, he did a, a phenomenal job. Um, and I think that the job at Kelly could really, um, he, could, he could really do, you know, work wonders to, to help them out of that, you know, relegation zone. I think they're only two points uh, off of Motherwell, who are only um, about three points off the bottom of the table. So um, definitely need a, a strong appointment. Lewis, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think Tommy Wright would be the ideal. We've seen the job he's done at St. Johnson and the way they saw him even in his first few years, they were pretty much a consistent top six team, even the European team. So he's probably the ideal candidate. Otherwise, you could probably look to maybe somebody like Stephen Robinson. I know he's sort of a bit disappointing towards the end of Mother when he ended up departing, but it's another option I think they look at. They've got maybe a few in the market, but I think Tommy Wright's definitely an ideal uh, appointment. Uh, ben? Yeah, um, as I just touched on, obviously the result isn't acceptable for, for Kilmarnock with that obviously being 2-0 up. Um, it's been like a disappointing season for Kilmarnock and they've only got 24 points from 25 games and I already think that Alex Dyer was in a shaky bed coming into this, but I think that was kind of just the final nail in the coffin. Um, in terms of the managers, I think obviously Tommy Wright, as you've touched on, I think he finished in the top six in five of his seven seasons as St Johnston manager. Um, and I think if they got him, he could pull him away from the relegation bout that they currently find themselves in. Um, another one I was looking at is maybe potentially James Fowler, who's obviously the current sporting director. I'm pretty sure... He might be one of the favourites for the job, and he obviously knows the club inside out as well. And he's got some experience in managers and uh, in managing. He was, the, he was the assistant to Jack Ross at Sunderland as well. Yeah, no, that that's actually a, that's a solid chat. A sort a sort of um, side chat like it's came out of nowhere. So no, that that's a good one. Um, where where did Kelly go from here? Then well, we've mentioned the relegation battle. Do, do we think that's um, Kelly's main main objective? Should be to avoid relegation, or well, I suppose I that 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 would be their their main um objective. But they are only what maybe six points off the the top six or five points off the top six. So they're they're sort of between the relegation and the top six. Um, you know, next couple of results will be crucial. Um, what do you where do you see the the all likely that they will finish? Will will it be near the bottom or will it be? in the top six. Um, Lewis, go to you. I wouldn't say Kelly are the worst team in the league. I mean, so they're capable of finishing probably top six. That's, that's probably the aim because it's still it's still doable, you know, and it's not, not a million miles off. I'd probably expect them for a year, maybe, depending on the appointment, 
sort of in between those positions, maybe in your seventh, eighth place, you know, maybe not ideal, but it's, it's an okay position, you know, in the Scottish Premiership and for a team like Kilmarnock, I know the last maybe a few years ago they were up in the high heights of third with Stevie Clark, but they were never ever going to keep that up, so I think they'd take from now maybe around the sixth, seventh mark. Uh, ben? Yeah, I probably agree with Lewis, sixth or seventh. Um, I think they've made the change at the right time, obviously the new manager will, will be expected to come in soon, and I think I think that if it gets a good start, obviously if, if it's Tommy Wright, if he gets a good start, then there's every chance that they could finish sixth or even seventh as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Ryan? Yeah, I would, I would say the same, really. Um, the the bottom six is quite close when you come to ninth, eighth, seventh. So I would see them finishing round about uh, seventh or eighth or something like that. They, they should get a bounce off a new manager coming in um, just to reinvigor their, their spirits, really. Um, but I, I can see them finishing there. I, I don't think they will be in trouble. I think they'll pull themselves out of it. But um, I, they need to get a new manager in. Yeah, no, um, definitely. It'll be interesting to see how quickly they can get a, a new manager in. Obviously, they're at home to Celtic tomorrow. Um, just obviously, after we've covered the games at the weekend, we'll go on to predicting what the the upcoming games will be. Um, so I'll get your, your thoughts on the Kelly Celtic predictions to, uh, in the game tomorrow a little bit later on. Um, if we move on to Hibernian versus Dundee United, um, uh, a, sort of, a sort of strong win for, for Hibs. Um, Darren McGregor obviously opened the scoring. Um, it was a ferocious thunderbolt um, to beat Seagrist in goal and then Martin Boyle settled it uh, with a with a lovely finish. What, what did you think of the game as a, as a, as a whole, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I thought it was two two great finishes for Hibs. Um, I thought Darren McGregor's goal in particular was a, a screamer, and then Martin Boyle's finish was just it was just really a Martin Boyle finish at the end of the day. He's really calm in front of goal. Um, but I a great result for Hibs, and he played well. Uh, Lewis? No, definitely when you hear so Darren McGregor scored, you expect it. I mean, it was from a corner, but you expect it to be some sort of header or something. So. When you look back at that goal, you think, God, what a strike that was. And I don't think many keepers are stopping that. So you know, I'm sure you'll be delighted with that. A good win for Hibs, sort of getting a bit more back on track. You know, Dundee United, they'll probably be a bit frustrated. I know Hibs are sort of a top six team again. Dundee United, that's maybe what Dundee United are looking to do. But I think that's seven games or something without a win. So they'll be disappointed, as I say. And Hibs will just look, it's a good place. It's like a hard place to go to, I think, sometimes. So they'll be happy to take home three points. Uh, ben? Yeah, it was an excellent finish. As Lou said, you don't expect that from, from a corner, from your centre-half, and it's it's not the kind of strike that you'd expect as well, and it was near enough unsavable. Um, it was also a good finish by Martin Boyle, um, but I think Jackson Irvin uh, deserves a lot of credit for the through ball. It was in, yeah, it was actually, it was an ins- a sensational defence splitting pass, to be honest with you. And, uh, I mean, I think Hibs deserved to win the game, but I still don't understand how... United didn't get a penalty for the Josh uh, Josh Doig incident when they literally pushed the ball mm-hmm. out of the road to Shankland. Um, I also think that United are in a bit of a free fall at the moment. And obviously, as Lou said, they've not had a win since December. But I do think they'll be fine. But I just think they need to watch themselves. Yeah, you mentioned the the handball incident with Josh uh, Josh Doig. Um, was that a penalty for for you guys, Ryan Lewis? Uh, if we go to oh yeah, first. no, definitely. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, um, I thought that as well. Um, again, I hate obviously discussing bringing it back to referees and, and VAR, but 
it kind of begs the question on how officials can't get sort of simple. I think it's correct. sorry, Stephen. I think it's more the linesman for me. The position where the handball is, you think the linesman's looking sort of directly at it in a way. You know, it's the edge of the box. Maybe he's looking down the line. So I don't know how the linesman's not seen it. Yeah, he's literally just pulled it like right. Like he's at the edge of the box. He's pulled it with his hands before Shagler's about to strike it, and it's clear as day. Like I don't understand. I was I was watching sports team last night, and they seemed to think that it wasn't a penalty, and I just couldn't come to an agreement with him. I just couldn't understand how it wasn't a penalty. It literally was the most stormal penalty I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it's a weird one, but sort of um, sums up Scottish football and and its officiating. It's, it's it's not the greatest. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything, any sort of more uh, issues, uh, you know, on the game itself. Um, obviously, it's looking like Kevin Nisbet and Ryan Porteous are he- heading out of Hibs. They didn't feature on Saturday, um, I think, to Millwall and um, is it Birmingham City, I think the other club that was mentioned. Um, what do we think of that? that? That would be two big losses for Hibs, would it not, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think that would be madness if they sold them. Um, I think two two of their best performers this season, especially Nisbet. Um, I think it'd be madness to sell them because, it, like I said, I'm, I'm repeating myself here. That especially Nisbet, he's been the one that's been scoring the goals. Um, he's been a fantastic signing. So I, I don't see why they would sell them unless the money was too good to turn down. Yeah, um, Ben. I don't think that the two will leave this window um, unless events take a dramatic turn this afternoon. I think that Hibs turned down a big bid of three million yesterday from from Birmingham for Nisbet. But um, I don't, as Ryan said, I don't think there's any need to sell them either because I think they're both contracted for a couple more a couple more years yet, and um, I think Nisbet could play a part in the international setup in the summer, even maybe even Portis as well, and that I think that would increase increase the price tag as well. Yeah, um, Lewis. No, I'd- Definitely, as Ben said, I'd expect them to probably stay. You know, why don't I don't think it's good to see sort of have been ambitious? They've got, let's be honest, they've got a chance of pushing second. You know, if they keep if they keep a get a good run of form going, it's not as if Celtic are doing the greatest. So, if you keep your squad together, then maybe you can go around try and push for second. Maybe it's not likely, but I mean, you could at least try with the form that Celtic are in. So, I definitely expect them to sort of stay this window, and maybe it will be more the summer that. They'll go, but obviously the Nisbet stuff is great business signing for Dunfermline in the summer and look how well he's doing. They're getting three million offers already. Yeah, um, it's sort of good, good um, business to get someone of Kevin Nisbet's quality in and then you know to sell him off for a for a decent profit. Um, if that was to happen, obviously Birmingham City just got Sam Cosgrove from from Aberdeen, mm-hmm. so they, they're probably maybe not needing another another striker in in Nisbet. Um, Speaking of Aberdeen, Livingston versus them um, on Saturday, 0-0. Uh, no major talking points. Um, suppose the probably the big thing that you could look at from is uh, David Martindale's unbeaten run, runs on. Um, he's done a fantastic job at Livingston. I think every week, Lewis, we're, we're on here waxing lyrical about the guy, about um, Livingston. Um, and we're going to do it again today. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of the job Martindale's done um, at Livingston and obviously that unbeaten run that he's on? I mean, I probably see Gerard winning manager of the year, but it really should be David Martindale. Um, I think his story is just incredible. How he's um, obviously he's came from his past 
to working his way up to becoming the manager of Livingston and the job that he's doing is in, is incredible and he's so infectious as well in his his press conferences and his interviews after the game. He's just a breath of fresh air in the league um, and I'm so happy for him and he's done a great job as well. It's not as if he's just a good character. He's backing it up with his good managerial skills as well. I mean, he's not been beat yet. So, I mean, Livingston are doing so well. Um, Ben? Yeah, as you said, um, there wasn't very many talking points, but after watching the highlights, I actually can't believe it's finished now nil as there was quite a lot of chances. Um, in terms of David Martindale, um, I seen a tweet the other day actually after the game against Kilmarnock and um, they were saying that there's only three managers who have had a better start to the man- managerial career than Martindale. And I think that just sums up well. And as Ryan said, he's been a breath of fresh air to Scottish football. And I'm, I'm so glad that he's fit, uh, passed his fit and proper test as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Lewis? Yeah, no, de- as you say, we've just been on here every week just saying how, how brilliant that Lewis inside have been, you know. 15 games unbeaten now. It probably says a lot that they're a wee bit disappointed that they've drawn against Aberdeen, you know. Two two sides. It was it was actually a decent game for a nil nil. You know, I wouldn't say it was. You know, sometimes you see nil nil, you think that must be the the worst game of the afternoon. But it was a decent game with a few chances that both sides created. You know, so I think as I say, they've come so far and they'll be disappointed probably not getting the three points against Aberdeen at home. You know. Yeah, I think the stat is that Livingston haven't beat um, Aberdeen since two thousand and four. Um, I think. The commentator on BBC uh, on sports scene said that, um, so that's an amazing stat in itself. Um, Livingston obviously on a run, you would have maybe expected them to to pick up more than the one point against Aberdeen, but um, a sort of a, a very level game. Um, ben, you mentioned fit and proper for uh, David Martindale. He did pass his fit and proper test last Tuesday. Um, I've, I've just got a, a question on that. What is a fit and proper person? Because I, I think David Martindale touched on it. He, he doesn't know he doesn't know anyone that's a fit and proper person. What is that all about? I, I don't understand the whole the whole thing of it. How someone has to be fit and proper when the SFA hired someone like Malky Mackay to to be the performance director. Um, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. I think Malky Mackay is a great example because I, I don't think he should be near another football job. Um, with some of the comments that he made in his emails in the past. Um, I, I think it's a bit unfair to tar everyone with the one brush in terms of the fit and proper person. Um, David Martindale, at the end of the day, he's done his time. Um, he's rehabilitated, and it's another great example of a good rehabilitation of a person. Um, so I think that the fact that this was even needed, that he needed to pass a test, was a bit um, was rubbish for him. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad that he passed it, regardless of how silly the, the fit and proper test was. At least. I definitely think, it's not as if this has happened like last year. He's been at the club for God knows how many years, you know, working his way up. So if there was any other decision other than being passed as fit and proper, then I think there would have been outrage and it, it would have never gone through, you know. I mean, I think it shows the character that Martin Dale is. He's even having a joke about it, you, you know, a bit of fun with the media, saying, like, just making a bit of light out of the situation instead of instead of sort of getting down about it. So there's your fit and proper person there. <laughs> uh, ben? No, I think the other guys have summed up well. Um, had they not passed this test, I think there would have been a major outburst of rage from not just Livingston fans, but from the whole of Scottish football and 
what would it have said about people getting a second chance if he didn't pass that? Job? I mean, as Lou said, he's come out of out of jail and whatever, he's done his time and he's he's been at Livingston for a whole number of years and he played a big part when Gary Holt was there. Like, see, when you go to games and Gary Holt was the manager, it was him that done a lot of the shouting from the sidelines. And um, I mean, I just think he's an excellent guy. I'm so glad he passed, as I said earlier on. Yeah, I think Ryan, you mentioned his in you know his ability of been infectious um especially when it comes to the media mm. the, the, there's something I, I just I really like about David Martindale he, he seems to know how to to motivate his players um and and how to get the job done you know he's I think it was it Ben that said um only three I think I cut the one or two managers are ahead of him for like perfect starts to his managerial career in the, the premiership so it, it kind of shows proves testament to, to how good of a job he is doing um at Livingston um just moving on just slightly Sam Cosgrove obviously mentioned that he had gone to uh Birmingham City how big a loss is that for for Aberdeen um Lewis no it's massive I think obviously sometimes you think maybe they're struggling to create things and stuff but Saturday they created enough chances to win that game so it was probably the striker that they were missing you know I think they've been linked with Fraser Hornby I think he would be a good replacement for Cosgrove but you could definitely tell they were missing him on Saturday Yeah um, right. Yeah it will be a big miss for um, Aberdeen um, I think they would have missed him even more last season considering the numbers they put up for the season before um, he's not he's not hit as many goals this season they do need to bring someone else in to replace him. Hornby would be a good sign. I think he's at Rhymes at the moment in France. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they, they need just a body in there. They need someone that can put the ball in the back of the net to get them firing again. Uh, ben? Yeah, I'd actually disagree. I think it's a good bit of business for Aberdeen and I wasn't Cosgrove's biggest fan. Um, I don't think he's reached the highs of recent seasons. Obviously, he was a bit injured, but I just don't think he's been as, as good as he's been in previous seasons. And as the guys have said, they're, they're like with Fraser Hornby, who's not really getting much of a look in in France just now at Rhymes. And I think it'd be a good move for him and for Aberdeen as well. And it'd be it'd be proud to see how a young Scot gets on in Scotland. Oh, it's, de- it's definitely great business, Ben. You touched that. Two million for... I wouldn't have expected Aberdeen to get two million for Crosgrove. You know, I think they'll miss him. But if you're getting an offer of two million, you've got to take that. You know, I would never expect that. I, mean, yeah. I just think he's as good as he used to be, to be honest with you. It's just my opinion. But um, no, I did no, see I a couple of Aberdeen right. fans complaining as well. Well, not complaining, sorry. They were actually quite happy that he'd gone. And some of them were actually saying they'd, they'd offer to drive him down to, to Birmingham. Um, I think mentioning Fraser Hornby there... Um, He's got the potential to be to be something special. Um, you know, he's in the the under twenty Scotland setup, um, with guys like Billy Gilmore, etc. You know, he's he's he could be um one for the future for Scotland. Um, so it'd be good to kind of get get like a a good view on him if he if he went to a club like Aberdeen because you would expect him to to fire fire in the goals at least. Um, just touching on Aberdeen, they're five points behind Celtic. Um, if they don't replace Cosgrove, can they kiss goodbye to sort of fighting for second place, uh, Ryan? Um, it all depends on the way Celtic play, really. Because um, we've been awful this year, this season. Um, I mean, I think if any team is going to catch us and go into second place, it'll be Hibs. I think they've got more firepower than Aberdeen. Um, they just need to put a run together. But 
Um, I think if they were, if if Aberdeen were to catch us, they would need to get a striker in like Fraser Hornby that would come in and hit the hit the ground running, um, and then maybe the, the challenges. But at the moment, it's Celtic just are in three fall, so anyone could do it really. Uh, ben. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I do think they really, really need a striker if they want to challenge Celtic, even though Celtic are free fall at the moment, as Ryan said. I do think they'll, they'll pick up enough wins to, to get second. Um, but if Aberdeen do get a striker in, then you never know. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, no, definitely get something. I think having a striker is so important. You know, Again, we've seen that on Saturday. You create chances, but there's just not somebody that focal point to take it. So you definitely need to get somebody in for that reason. They've obviously got Curtis Main. Who was injured in uh, at the weekend, but he's maybe not the the guy you're looking for up there. He's a, he's an okay option to have, but you de- you'll definitely need somebody in there if you want to try and push for second. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say Curtis Main would be the the answer to Aberdeen's prayers. Um, okay, moving on. Um, to the final game that we that we have to cover today, St Mirren for the first time since 1990, uh, a whopping 31 years have beaten Celtic at Celtic Park. It was uh, Celtic 1, St Mirren 2. Um, shock result or unsurprising, uh, Lewis? I think in a way you would say shock result in terms of St Mirren going to Celtic Park and beating them. But at the same time, when I heard that scoreline come through, I was like, I was not surprised at all. You know, that just sums it up. St Mirren going to Parkhead with a style and set up to play and they, they take on the three points and deservedly. Because you were you were obviously um, at Livingston was it Livingston the Livingston game you were yeah. covering yeah so you obviously you heard the result coming through um, I, I I found it hard to to react to and I, I seen it so to to actually hear the result I I can imagine you would have been in sort of disbelief about it but um, not not great Ryan yeah. Um... I think I think it was a mix of both of a shock result and unsurprising. Um, unsurprising because of the way Celtic have been playing this season, um, and especially this year since they came back from uh, the infamous Dubai trip. Um, you, you were talking about not um, well, St Martin not winning since 1990, and this being a record-breaking season. It was supposed to be a record-breaking season for Celtic, but we seem to be breaking everyone else's records for them um, with some of the shock results that are going on. Um, no, it was an awful game. But I'm I'm gonna take no um nothing away from St. Martin. St. Martin were great the whole game and they deserve every bit of credit. I know the main story will be Celtic and how they get beat, but St. Martin were tremendous. I watching the game, I really enjoyed how St. Martin set up. They knew exactly what, what they were coming to, to Glasgow for. They knew exactly what, what their intentions were and what the game plan was. And I think Jim Goodwin's, you know, plan was executed uh, perfectly. Um, so, you know, you can't take anything away from St Mirren. They fully deserve the, the three points. That moves them into um, six, the top six now, um, which maybe some wouldn't have thought a couple of weeks ago. They're just off a fresh 5-1, um, you know, annihilation of Dundee United. So they're... They're looking good. Um, ben, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I think you have all summed up quite well. Um, I think it was a mix of shock uh, and it was rather unsurprising, obviously, the way Celtic have been playing this season. But um, a lot of credit has to go to St Mirren, who obviously, as you have said, they've set up well and they've came over and they've executed their plan of perfection, to be honest with you. Um, and it, it just annoys me a wee bit because obviously there's no secret that I'm a Hamlet fan and 
when obviously we came to, to Parkhead during the week, we just set up for a nil-nil um, and we didn't even have a shot on target actually. And I don't think that's the way you should be setting up against Celtic at the moment. I think you should just be going straight at them um, and having a go. And obviously with the likes of disaster Duffy and stuff like that, you've just got to have a go and you never know what can happen. And obviously I'm sure we'll talk about it later on about his horrendous error at the weekend again. Yeah, that's no. the thing. I don't think I don't think sides are scared to come to Celtic Park anymore. You know, no. there would have been oh, that fear factor not even even last year. I think there was probably a bit of a fear factor coming to Celtic Park. There was times we hadn't lost in a year and stuff. And now sides will come and think if we don't if we don't come away with a point, it's a bad result. So there's not that fear factor anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're obviously all Celtic fans and coming to Celtic Park in recent years. You got let's just keep it below five, right? Below five or something like that. That's why every day aims for. But then when you come nowadays, you're like, I mean, I was actually disappointed that on uh, on, on Wednesday or Tuesday, I think it was, and um, I just thought we could have had a bit more of a go. I don't think that we deserved anything. I thought Celtic were, were actually really good. Probably caught them in one of their off days, to be honest with you. Um, they played they play quite well, but uh, I was just disappointed as a whole that Hamlin didn't actually go and have a go at them, to be honest with you. Celtic Park, um, obviously it has been a, a fortress, um, you know, in recent years for Celtic only losing like a couple of times in the league. I think, you know, Aberdeen Rangers uh, come to mind. But, you know, lately you, you look at teams coming to Celtic Park, look at St Johnston, you know, Ross County, even look at Ferenc Varos. They've all rocked up to Celtic Park with a game plan and tactically outdone the Celtic manager. How... Uh, that's really, really poor when you think of it, like the calibre of teams, and no disrespect to Ross County or St Johnston or, or Ferenc Varos, or, you know, any smaller teams that come to Celtic Park and absolutely, you know, blitz them in, in, from a tactical point of view, but it, it's really not good. And you get the feeling, you know, the next time another team comes to Celtic Park, it, it's hard to see Celtic sort of, you know, doing it. They need to sort of stand up to it, but they just don't seem to, to be doing it. Um do you agree with that or do you disagree, um, Ben? No, I think it's right. Um, as I said, um, Celtic Park has been a fortress over the years and when you see teams come and win, well, I mean, the Ross County won in Fernandes or whatever it is, but mm. uh, they won rather easy and it shouldn't be like that for Celtic. I mean, Celtic uh, looked at as a Champions League club when they're in good form and uh, they shouldn't be getting beat off the likes of these teams as well. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, all these names are giving me these horrible flashbacks, you know, how many times have seen this this season? But it's just simply not good enough, you know. I think every time a team's come and beat us, like, your Ross Counties and St Mims, they've deserved it. It's not even like, oh, Celtic have been unlucky, it's just another day. They've deserved it 100%, you know? Uh, Ryan? Absolutely. I think it's complete apathy I've got with watching my team at the moment. Minute. I'd, I cannot remember the last time we played well for 90 minutes. Because I, I, I think it was last season, honestly. First game maybe, of the season or something, bro. Maybe, maybe against That wasn't season. even good, man. Honestly, I said that to you after the first game <laughs> of the season, Lewis, right? You beat us 5-1, right? Fair enough. But I generally didn't think you played well that day, and I said that to no. you. Like, But I just didn't even think you played well that day. Like, I just thought we were shocking defensively. No, we have we have wee spots. We have 15 minutes, half an hour, where we'll turn on the gas and maybe an individual pull us out of a hole or score a wonder goal or something. Enough. Watching this team all season, I, I don't know what style of play we've got. Um, and I think you saw that quite evidently at the weekend when we had three number 10s on the park at the same time. You had Rogic, you had Turnbull. 
Um, El Unisi was on as well. He was playing sort of in the middle. Um, I, I don't know what the tactics are. I don't know what style of play we play. Um, it's a bit of a mess, really. Um, just touching back onto the game for a second, um, should Celtic have that penalty off of Shaughnessy um, for that handball, uh, Lewis? Quite a strange one because I, I was that's the first time I've seen it in sports. I've not really heard many much mention. It was a free kick given at St. Mount. It was it was quite uh, it was free kick given at St. Mount. It was quite strange that the referee thought it came off Duffy's hand. If it's your team, you probably want a penalty, but it's just it's a smash, you know. Could it, it's a, I don't even think he's got his hands that high. You could see it going either way. I think more the strange thing was a, a St. Mount free kick, you know. Uh, ben. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about it just before we started recording. I think it's a tough one because I think Bobby Madden might be a bit sighted. Um, he might be unsighted, sorry. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one, but uh, I've seen him given. Um, it's high. I thought his hands were actually quite high. Um, but as I said, I think Bobby Madden was a bit unsighted and that's why he's not gave it. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think it would have been really harsh on St Martin, if I'm being honest, if that was given. I can see why Bobby Madden thought that it hit off Duffy as well. Um I don't know why the free kick was given um, in St Mern's favour, but it wasn't a penalty for me. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, or especially, I mean, I wouldn't, if I was a referee, I wouldn't have given a penalty for it either. So, um, and I think we're all in agreement there. Um, one thing I didn't put down in our running order, but um, a Yeti was also brought down in the box. Um I don't think sports scene showed that part of the highlights, but from watching the game, I thought it was just quick to, to touch on. Did you mm. think that was a penalty? Um, no, I don't, I don't think it was. Um, I thought that he reacted about two seconds after <laughs> after the challenge was made. I thought it was quite an okay. So I thought it was it was a bit... It, it, it stunk of desperation, really. Mm. Yeah, no, I, again, I can't disagree with that. Um Celtic goalkeeping woes just go on and on and on, uh, you know, before the start of January. Uh, Neil Lennon was telling us how uh, Vasilius Barkas was his number one. Now Vasilius Barkas is unsettled and needs time. Uh, Scott Bain is now Neil Lennon's number one. Is Bain the answer to Celtic's goalkeeping problems, Lewis? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. That. Maybe Barkas isn't the answer either, you know, but I think you've just got to put him in and give him a run of games because I don't even think he's given that chance to show. He seems to. Don't get me wrong; he's not been he's not been amazing for the money you've paid, but I don't think he's actually been terrible. If you know what I mean, like there's no there's no sort of st- many standout goals in my head that I think yeah he should definitely save that. Maybe there's a few he, he could have done better, but I just I just don't get the whole situation. How it's been handled is absolutely terrible. You say he's unsettled, so you take him at the team. How does that? Sorry, how's that going to help him settle? You know, it's just absolutely farcical, to be honest. Uh, Lewis, uh, sorry, not Lewis, Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's been handled terribly. Um, I think you've got to play. You've got to play Barcast to ensure that he settles. I mean, I don't know how he's supposed to settle if you if you keep him out of the team and uh, sort of isolate him even more than he already is. Um, no, Bain isn't the answer. Bain hasn't been the answer before, and he won't be the answer now. Um, so I think we've just got to persevere with Barkas. But if if Barkas hasn't settled, then what is Shane Duffy? Um, before we touch on Shane Duffy, um, Scott Bain should never 
being a Celtic, he should never have been a Celtic jersey after uh, the debacle in Sparta Prague. Um, you know, the guy had an absolute nightmare. Um, and honestly, you're looking at it and thinking he really is not at the level to, to be a Celtic goalkeeper, never mind the number one goalkeeper. So that is utterly baffling that Neil Lennon continues to sort of persevere with them you know Connor Hazard although he didn't you know set his name up in lights you know it, I, I genuinely think he's a better option than than Scott Bain so it's it, it's a strange one to see Bain being Lennon's number one but hey ho probably in a couple of weeks time that'll, that'll change because yeah, Lennon loves to, to change his mind as well soon um Shane Duffy or should we uh, should we call him Dewey because he is been absolutely catastrophic for Celtic. That that signing was lapped up as game changing as you know Shane Duffy was going to be the the best centre back in the the uh, in the league, and he was gonna he was gonna be like Virgil Van Dijk is to to the Premier League. It's just not happened for him through whatever. Um, he's just not been good enough, has he? Um, Lewis. God, don't even get me started on Shane Duffy, man. When he did come in, I think everyone had expectations. I'm going to deny I was buzzing when we signed him. I thought he was exactly where I needed a big commanding centre-half who, who would be ideal for us and maybe at the centre of a back season, which we were to play at that point. But it's just been an absolute disaster, man. I think we knew he was going to have his sad... What he was poor at, and he's not. we know he's not got pace and... But it's not even the pace that's the problem. Saturday's the second goal. That's good. What are you doing? You're all over the place. You know, he doesn't know where the ball is. It's like a guy who's a good bit shorter than him win the ball first. It's just an absolute shambles. And Stephen Welsh is sitting on the bench, a young boy, 20 years old, must be thinking, what on earth have I got to do getting this team? It's crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, right. Yeah, no exaggeration when I say this. Shane Duffy is genuinely the worst player I've ever seen play for Celtic. Um, And I've watched Celtic for a good 12, 13 years. Um, I think what makes it worse is all the fanfare that was made before he came in. And I did did buy into that. I was was buzzing when we got him. Um, I thought he would shore up our defence that was very leaky to begin with. But instead... It's even more leaky somehow. Instead, it's like the floodgates have opened. Um... It's it's just it's just a nightmare. Every game that he plays, he's always contributing something negative to the game. He'll always he'll do something that'll lead to a goal, or he'll punt the ball out of play aimlessly. Um, he's just a nightmare, and I think it's really showing how good Ayer is. <laughs> he's made Ayer look a lot better with uh, Duffy next to him. Obviously, he's been playing his right back, but um, I think we should have done better in the transfer window. I thought that. Looking back on it, the, the deal was too emotional for him. He's obviously a big Celtic fan and he just hasn't been able to handle it emotionally. Yeah, he's um he's not been great. You mentioned that you think he's the worst uh, Celtic player you've seen in uh, in your life. Um, I am genuinely trying to think of a worse Celtic player. Uh, mm. You know, I've seen the likes of Amido Baldi, uh, Mo Bangura, um, you know, I, as I say, do, do we... Yeah. Um, I genuinely think all of those players are better than than 
uh, or played better for Celtic than what Shane Duffy has. I just um, I just think that the fanfare that came with Duffy when he came in, everything put together for me makes him one of the worst players I've seen at Celtic. One of the worst signings, especially due to the magnitude of this season or what this season was supposed to be. Um, it's just been a disaster. Calamity Shane, Shane I call him, and he has been a calamity. Um, Lennon's comments after the game were made for interesting reading and sort of hearing. Uh, he said that the players, he, they could be tired of winning. Um, he also said that the players have let him down. Um, what, what, what do we, what's our reaction to those comments, um, Lewis? The players have let him down. I don't know what he's doing to us, man. Oh, my God. I think it's uh, every press conference, there's, there's a new comment to discuss, you know. These, the players, you think they, the players are letting you down. What, what can you do to change that now at this stage? What can you actually do to turn this around? There's, there's nothing to do to turn around. And I think myself and good did a lot of people thinking that this is it, surely. But how many times have we said that now? I think if he doesn't go now and he's in the dugout tomorrow, he never will. It's never going to happen. We need to accept that. I um, understand how it's not done yet, to be honest with you. Um, as you said, you said that you said that to me on Saturday. You, you're surely, like, surely now. Surely. I, don't, I don't think so. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. I um, what I found really interesting was he was asked about the summer rebuild plans, um, and he spoke about them. And I'm sitting there thinking, I sound like Charlie Nicholas there. Say when that was his own scary, but oh, no. <laughs> um, but I, I am genuinely, I was sitting looking at my phone and being like, he's not managing this football club in the summer of 2021. He's just, he's not going to do it. And it genuinely feels the fact that it's what, it's um, it's 12.44 on Monday, the 1st of February, <laughs> f- less than 48 hours after Celtic were defeated for the first time at home at a by St Mirren since 1990. And Neil Lennon is still in a job. And it makes you realise he's going to be here come the summer. He, he genuinely is. And it, 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 it hurts to say that because the amount of damage that he's, he's done um, in the space of six months is is unbelievable. He said back in October that if things start to deteriorate, he will you know, he'll hold his hands up and he'll, he'll go. Why is that sign if it's not deterioration? Yeah, exactly. Um, when is that going to happen? I don't know. Um I suppose a big question um, that I have before we move on to looking at the fixtures that are coming up to, to sort of give our predictions. Um, would you refer to Neil Lennon and Celtic legend in the, the same same sentence again? Uh, Ryan, go for you. Before that season, yeah, I probably would say he was a legend, although I don't really remember him playing as much because um, I, I sort of got into football a couple of years after that. I, I, I remember watching him a couple of times, but um, my first season was the Tony Mowbray season, so um, I've, I've got that trauma in me from the start. Um, yeah. This season, no, don't think so, because he's shown that he's a Neil Lennon man more than a Celtic man. A Celtic man would have walked um, and done what was best for the club. He's made enough money off of Celtic throughout his career. Um and if he would, would have walked in October, we could possibly still be in a title challenge. But the fact that it's February and he's still there and he's kicking and screaming and he won't leave just shows how selfish he is, really. I, I think he knows that he won't get another top management job again. Like, get another management job? Aye, I know. It's it's. I, I think he's his own chalice is poisoned. He, he won't touch another job. I think he'll be on 
uh, sports scene next or a pundit. But even then, but even then, he would be entertainment because you don't know what he would say every week because it's honestly just a it's a monopoly or a lottery what he says. It's just it's total randomness now. It's incoherent rubbish that he talks. Yeah, no, I I, I can't disagree with that. Um, you know, you every time you listen to a press conference, you're like, oh, what's he going to say now? You know, you're always I'm always like thinking the next word he's going to be is absolutely disastrous or embarrassing. Um, And he never fails to to let us down in that front. Um, We just wish he would. Um, All right, spoke enough about uh, Lennon. I think we've all kind of made our our feelings clear. Um, It would have been unfair to to ask you, Ben, because you're a a Hamilton fan. What did you you make on, like, obviously, did you not single out Lee Griffiths at one point as well and say that I thought that was quite poor considering you've got the, the likes of Patrick Clamal on the bench. Um, I've spoken to this before. I just don't think he's of a Celtic level. But I mean, you could probably prove me wrong. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not that good up in Celtic. But uh, I just don't think he's a quality enough striker for Celtic to be honest with you. Clamalla um, for me, he's not been given enough chance. To be honest, um, I've not seen enough of him to make a a definite judgment on the guy. Um, so I'm still waiting to to see him being given a chance because. Under Lennon, um, I, I don't think he's been given too much of a chance. Same with uh, Ariana Yeti, again, yeah. not been given a chance. So Nobody's uh, really going to progress either. Nobody's really going to progress if they're not getting chances. Obviously, you've talked about staying well quite a lot, Lewis, and maybe Kamala's in that category as well. But just from when I've seen him come on, um, I just don't think I've been that impressed. But uh, you still know a lot more than I do. I'd say I'd be, I'd be willing to give any player... A fresh, a fresh slate. Well, apart from Shane Duffy or something, but I'd be willing to give any player a fresh slate going into like a, a new management because these guys, I, I can't even begin to imagine what they've been dealing with under New Lennon. I mean, another point is, we're in the you mentioned we're on the first of February. Where's this January review? January's passed and we've still not heard it. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, can can I just take a second to say that I really feel sorry for um John Paul Taylor. Um, you know. SLO, he's got an absolutely thankless task on his hands of um, being the middleman between the support and, and the club. Uh, I, I feel, I genuinely feel sorry for him because he must be getting uh, an absolute barrage of abuse from people that are not happy. Um, and, you know, he's obviously got a genuine love for the club, so it's, uh, I genuinely feel sorry for him. But yeah, this this review um, was meant to be January, uh, it's meant to be in the new year. Um, I, I don't think you can call it the new year when we're in February. We're literally two months into the year, so it's um, yeah, it's not it's not good. If we move on and uh, look at the fixtures that are coming up during the midweek, I think it's a full full fixture list. I'm just going to double check. We've got it's Tuesday, over Tuesday, Wednesday. So. Yeah, three on the Tuesday, three on the Wednesday. Um, so if we start on February, uh, the second of February on the Tuesday, um. Aberdeen again, Livingston, but this time at Pitodre. Um What what we saying to that? I'll go for you, Ben. I think it'll be a close game. I don't think there'll be very many goals in it. Um, I think it'll be something like one 0 to either side or one each. To be honest with you, I don't think there'll be um, very many goals in it. Okay, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I'll go for a score draw, one each. Uh, Lewis. It'll be interesting to see the dynamic if Aberdeen will get a striker and if will they play. You know. Both sides, both sides of us played each other the weekend, so I'm going to keep the Martindale trail, uh, train rolling and say one 0 Livingston. 
Yeah, I'm going to join you on that and say 1-0 Livingston as well. Um, Get a good feeling about Livingston. Um, St Mirren, Hibs. Um, St Mirren just off a a win on Saturday. Uh, I think we've spoken about that enough. Um, uh, Against uh, now they're facing Hibs on Tuesday. What do we think to that? Uh, Go for you, Ryan. Yeah, I think this will be a good game. Um, I think both teams are scoring quite a a good amount of goals recently. Um, I think Hibs will be too strong for some ammo in the end. I think I'll go for a 3-1 Hibs. Uh, Lewis? I think this will be an intriguing one because obviously St Mirren have looked even great at the weekend and last week against United. I think, Ben, you're going to be there, aren't you? So that'll be one to enjoy, I think. So I'll say again, St Mirren to keep that going. 2-1 St Mirren. Uh, Ben? Yeah, I think I'm working at this one on Tuesday. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I do just, uh, Hibs are so inconsistent mm. and St Mirren are kind of just flying at the moment. Obviously, I know the Hibs won at the weekend, but I've just got a feeling that St Mirren might cause a wee upset and maybe get like a 2-1 win or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that as well. Um, I've got, I, I like the way St Mirren go about their business. Um, you know, they've toppled Celtic, they've, they've toppled Rangers in the League Cup. Um, they smashed in the United 5-1. They're on a good roll. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for a similar result, but I'm going to say 2-0, St Um I think that'll be a, a really interesting game, though. Um, and then the last game on the Tuesday is Kilmarnock versus Celtic. Um, some were dubbing this the manager list derby, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Um, uh, although I suppose you could say Celtic are managerless, um, or at least some would say that. Um, Kilmarnock Celtic, what are we saying to that, uh, Lewis? God knows, God knows. I think going to Rugby Park is usually a tough place for Celtic. Never mind the form that they're in the now. Um, last time we were there, it was one each, obviously, that was without Shane Duffy, so could be a completely different tie. Uh, Oh, I'm I'm just gonna I'll say one each. Uh, Ryan. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say the same one each. Um, I think it would be an interesting game. Obviously, seeing the way a uh, Kilmarnock line up without their manager, obviously because he's departed. Um, Celtic are just awful just now. So I think any team have got an opportunity against them. So I'm gonna go one each. Uh, Ben. <laughs> I just think Celtic are going to win. I don't know why. You're going to think I'm an absolute clown, but I'm going to say 2-1 to Celtic. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say that. Uh, I'm going to say, say 1-0 Kilmarnock. Um, You're uh, not that bad, man, surely. Nothing would be argued. How many times you said that, though? I know, I've said that since the game in October in Sparta Prague and all that. Nothing would surprise me anymore. It's a plastic park. Celtic don't do well on the, the plastic surface unless you're Hamilton. So sorry Ben. Uh so um yeah I'm I'm gonna say one 0 Kelly. Um you never know who might who might be in charge of them tomorrow night could give the players a, a break. Yeah, that that'd be different right enough if a new manager came in then I would probably go for a draw but uh, I'll stick for my prediction and then stupidly stick Celtic my coupon again um, as I've done seems to do every week considering I think the price Surely is every week literally that's what I'm saying like you look at the price and it's like one to two you're like no way just Celtic one to two at home that's easy money but then then they just get fucking scud off teams like St Murn and that man um, Wednesday night fixtures uh, we've got three again Motherwell versus Dundee United um, Ryan 
Um, I think there's been some encouraging signs under um, the new manager, Alexander, for Motherwell. So I can see them winning this game. Obviously, uh, Dundee United are in a, a wee bit of a rut just now. They, they do have fire, some amount of firepower. But uh, I can see Motherwell win, winning this. I'm going to go for 2-0 Motherwell. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, no, I'm a fan of uh, Alexander's and they also got that first win against Ross County last week. So I think it's just about kicking on for them from now. So I think they'll they'll win that game 2-0. Uh, and Ben? No, I think Mother will win as well, uh, even though it pains me to say. Um, I don't trust Dundee United <laughs> at all, I think. I think Mickey Mellon's a bit tacti- tactically inept. So I would say 1-0 to, to Motherwell. Yeah, um, I like the job that Graham Alexander's doing at Motherwell. Um, <laughs> I think they've got a great bunch of players. I'm going to go out and say 3-0 Motherwell. I've got a good feeling. Um, I hope nobody bets, uh, takes like, my predictions and goes, I'm going to bet what he's saying. Same for me, man. You should be skint. Don't follow me. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> he's putting Celtic on for God's sake. <laughs> um, Hamilton versus Ross County, Ben. I think it's only right that we start with you. Yeah, first of all, I'm shit myself. Um, because if you lose that, <laughs> then if you lose that, then we're in big trouble. Um, I was just reading it in the record this morning that we're not seeing a striker today. Um, we've tried for thirty days and we still can't seem to get one. So, uh, I don't, I don't think we'll win. Um, I don't think we'll lose either. So I'm going to say, no, no. Um, Lewis. Yeah, Ben will be better than most think, but I think Ross County they've said they had encouraging signs and maybe the last few games have been a wee bit sort of disappointing for them. John Hughes is sort of building something though, I think. I think he's a he's a good manager. Be interesting if Ben would have taken him, maybe if Brian Rice was to go, but uh I'll go one each to draw as well. Right? Yeah, I'll go for one each as well. I think uh, John Hughes is Given uh, Ross County a wee bit more character, um, they scored goals, but they also concede goals as well. Be interested to see how Leo Hilda uh, ends up at them as well. Mm. Obviously, being on loan from Celtic, mm. um, but I'll go for one each. I think, I, I think Hamilton could get something out of that game. Um, that game Hamilton would. I'm I'm going to say two one Ross County. Um, I, I like what John Hughes is is starting to like try and build there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say two one Ross County. Uh, sorry, Ben. No, it's all right, mate. Listen, um, I wouldn't even be surprised if it happened either. I mean, uh, we've we've got more defensively solid over the last few weeks, which is a good thing. But you've got to have the balance and uh, going forward, we're absolutely toothless. I mean, like Moyo doesn't cut it. Ogden Paul's gonna just come back from an injury. Um, so since we're not signing a striker, I think we're in, the, we're in a lot of trouble and. I was looking at social media today and the fans are understandably not very happy. Mm. Um, Rangers versus St Johnston is the last game um, that we need to predict. So, obviously we mentioned St Johnston are on a bit of a run just now. They've scored six in two games. Um, up against the the league leaders, uh, some would refer to them as the champions-elect. Um, what do we think of that game? Well, who's going to win? Um, Ryan? Um, <laughs> in short, Rangers. Um, they seem to be just doing the business this season, just running away with it, really. Um, yeah, St. John's will make it an interesting game. They've been playing well recently, but I can only really see Rangers winning. If, is that a home game for Rangers? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, so I can only see Rangers winning at, um, at home. So I'm going to go for 3-1 Rangers. 
Uh, Lewis? Yeah, I think one side you've got Celtic where you don't know what's going to happen. The other you've got Rangers who just seem to be rolling on, winning game after game. Ibrox, you don't expect them to drop it and you don't expect them to drop it anywhere really now. So even though I get up against them from St. Jordan, they'll say 3 0 Rangers. Uh, ben? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, uh, St. Johnson, sorry, aren't, aren't quite good at running at the moment, but uh, I think Rangers are far too strong. And as you would say, I think they're the champions already. So I'm going to say 3 0 to Rangers. Yeah, um, I mean, Rangers on a spectacular run of form, um, you know, running away with the league. Um, St. Johnston, although they have been on a good run of form, it's going to stop uh, in Glasgow and Govan tomorrow uh, on Wednesday night. Um, so I'm going to say five 0 Rangers. I think they'll they'll well and truly put the sense to the sword, um, and you know they'll look to increase their, their title uh, points um, by another three. So yeah, I'm going to go for that. Uh, really easy one rather um, for me because they they are just playing so well. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's edition of De Stefano Talks. Talking Scottish Football Episode 6. A massive thank you to Lewis, Ryan and Ben, as always, for coming on the podcast. Um, a really great discussion, and we managed to cover all the games that were on during the weekend, as well as a few other topics. So it was uh, good to, to get all that done. Um, as I said in the introduction to today's podcast, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, um, please do. It's free to do so, and it just helps the podcast out, um, and it means that you also get uh, up-to-date versions of, of each episode that come out so um, yeah just, just go ahead and do it, it doesn't hurt anybody to do it so yeah help a guy out um, and also if you are using Apple Podcasts or iTunes whatever it's called um, just leave a review of the, the podcast and, and let us know what you think um, and leave any sort of ideas that are sort of shouts that you want to see from us in the future um, Again, the podcast really benefits from it, and again, I, I really appreciate it. So, thank you. Um, also, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at DeStefano Talks. Um, you can turn on post notifications over there, and it means you're kept up to date with every single thing we tweet uh, in relation to the podcast. So, yeah, at DeStefano Talks, as I've said. Um, nothing much more to, to talk about without dragging this outro on too long. Thanks again for listening. Uh, this was De Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, episode number six.